Welcome to All Shall Be Well, a conversation hosted by InterVarsity's Women in the Academy and Professions, giving voice to women seeking to live fully into their God-given callings and be a redeeming influence, whether in the university or beyond. This is Caroline Trissick, and on this episode of All Shall Be Well, Conversations with Women in the Academy and Beyond, our guest is Aubrey Kleinfeld. Aubrey is a licensed professional counselor at her alma mater, Messiah University in Pennsylvania, where I had the gift of working alongside her during my graduate counseling internship. Aubrey has been practicing counseling for the past 14 years and for the last three years has served undergraduate students. While Aubrey works at a university counseling center, the thoughts she shares in this interview are not intended to be representative of that particular university. In our conversation, Aubrey offers her thoughts on the anticipated mental health needs that college and university students will likely be experiencing as they return to campus this fall, as well as how faculty and professional women can also be caring well for themselves in the midst of these unprecedented days. We hope you'll find this conversation beneficial as the new academic year begins. Well, welcome, Aubrey. Thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. Can you begin by sharing a little bit about yourself, about your faith journey, and how that has shaped who you are today? Yes, that would be my pleasure. I grew up near Richmond, Virginia, in Chesterfield County, and I grew up to a home with two parents. And I just remember knowing that God was real and was good and was with me. So from my earliest memory, I just recognized God's presence there. And that is a gift that I believe that my parents gave me. It was just as natural as breathing air, um, Mm -hmm. my relationship with God. And I never questioned God's reality. And I grew up having conversations with God and, and knowing God and having God know me. And it was probably when I went to college that I was surprised by so many different people who were wrestling with their faith because it wasn't something that I had wrestled with previously. But the questions that they were asking were questions that I hadn't asked before. So it opened the door for me to really begin to be curious about my faith and to question and wrestle, which was a gift for me. And in that space, I came across Psalm, it might be Psalm 42 now, I can't remember exactly, but where it talks about as the deer pants for water, so do I long after God. And Later on in the passage, it talks about deep calling to deep. Mm -hmm. And it was in my college years that I I really recognized that that there wasn't anything in my life that satisfied me, the deepest part of me, as much as God. And so I began to seek him even, even more. And I began to see others in that same way, like this understanding that we all kind of offer a portion of ourselves to one another, but then there is a great deal of depth underneath that. And so I just began to long to know the deep parts of others as well. Mm-hmm. And um, and so my curiosity about others increased during that time. And, and then I learned more about the Holy Spirit and just really connected with the Spirit in the Trinity as our advocate and our helper and our counselor and our teacher and the one that leads us into all truth. And I continue to to kind of revel in the depth of the spirit and how 
we get to participate with the spirit in this life. And, and so that, that's probably where, where I am today in the connection to my faith. And then it, it just informs my work and um, my neighboring and uh, my relationships. Wonderful. I loved the way that you said that the depth of your relationship with God led you to be curious about the depth in others. Mm -hmm. And that was part of, I'm hearing what led you to become a counselor. Can you share a little bit about your role as a counselor and then what led you to working where you are now? Yes. Well, I graduated from Messiah College in 2001 uh, with a business degree. And I as I, I was at Messiah, I had the opportunity to work in residence life. And that was really where my life was. So I experienced a great deal of life in relationships through that role and more in that than in my studies. And so I kind of had the desire to pursue counseling as I was kind of engaged in that role. But I, I worked as a human resources manager when I first graduated from Messiah and just recognized the need in that space or desired to do more with my work. And so then I pursued graduate school. And, and in that space, I received an opportunity to be a residence director and as I did that, I, there was just so much that I didn't know. And so I pursued learning about um, relationships and people in my counseling degree and felt like as I learned, I, I learned that there was more to know <laughs> um, and course, that yeah. the, the gift of counseling is really just entering into relationship with people to offer, offer them a place to be seen and to see themselves and to be heard mm-hmm. and to hear themselves and really to be known and to know themselves. And so it's just such a privilege to do that. So I, I graduated from Shippensburg University um, with a degree in counseling and began immediately working in an agency in my city. And I worked with clients who had a variety of issues. So just whomever walked into the agency we saw, and I had the opportunity to lead drug and alcohol groups and intensive outpatient groups and and just had a, a wealth of experience. I worked there for 13 years. And in that process, I didn't have the opportunity to pursue licensure. And an opportunity became available at my alma mater. And mm-hmm. I was able to begin working there and pursue the supervision that I needed for licensure. And so um, I've been there for the last three years working specifically with college students. And the college population, that's where I did my internships when I was at Shippensburg. It has always been a population that interested me for the mere fact of it is a very dynamic population. College students are always learning and it's an environment of learning. And so I read the book, Maybe You Should Talk to Someone by Lori Gottlieb, and mm-hmm. she she talks about how being a therapist is kind of like having the opportunity to hold up a mirror to your clients and also to have them hold up a mirror to you. Um, and so it's this idea that if our clients can see themselves a little bit more clearly through our reflections, we actually get to see ourselves more clearly through their reflections. And I, I can't even name all of the things that I've been able to learn just out of the opportunity to hear my clients' experiences and 
begin to look at how I think about a subject and kind of work through that outside on my own things that I hadn't ever thought of before. And I think that that's a really beautiful gift of therapy that we kind of are mirrors reflecting mirrors and we get to have the opportunity to show each other what we can't see yet. Yeah. Two things uh, that you said really struck me. One earlier on when you were saying, as you began to learn, you realized that you had so much more learning to do. And I just feel that so true. You know, as the listeners that might be tuning into this podcast might be campus ministry staff or faculty or grad students. I think we're all in that space of continually learning, being lifelong Mm -hmm. learners. Yes. So that there's never a space where we have figured it all out right? And then the other thing that struck me that you said was just the idea of people just want to be seen and heard and known, and that you're creating a space and holding a space for them to see themselves and hear themselves, especially right now during these, I don't even know how to express these times that we're living in, right? Unprecedented, of course, is a word that's been thrown around. What mental health concerns and needs do you anticipate, particularly from undergraduate students, in this year as they return to campus? Hmm. Yes. When this first began, our dean said, people are not so much resistant to change as they are resistant to loss. And I've really carried that with me as we've moved into this space, just this idea that change and loss travel together. And there is so much loss that's happened even just in imagining what it's like returning to campus and social distancing and returning to campus wearing masks and just returning to campus that has that familiarity, but then also is so different than it was when you left. And so I think that they will be experiencing a great deal of loss connected to change, but perhaps even connected to dealing with the illness themselves in personal Mm -hmm. ways. I also think that there will be a great deal of anxiety connected to the fact that we are all now learning how to live with a threat, a threat that we can't control. And our nervous systems are adapting to that, but it's still kind of this continuum of, you know, I feel healthy right now and I I feel okay and I can be present in this moment. Um, But then there is also kind of this cloud of dread and of threat Mm -hmm. that is still hanging over us. And so that's something that we're all dealing with as a culture, as a world, really. Mm -hmm. But I think that that that's something that they'll bring in. So actually the Healthy Minds Network for Research on Adolescent and Young Adult Mental Health and the American College Health Association came out with recent research. I think it was from students on 14 campuses. I think they had about 19,000 students who responded, but they responded in a variety of spaces, but they did report that the pandemic has increased their financial stress, um, which we know is tied to mental health significantly. 35% of students moved to a new living situation, and so that's a major life transition. Their prevalence of depression and anxiety increased from spring compared to the fall last year. And they also talked about just the climate of events in culture right now, it being an election year, just the understanding of 
the polarity of our culture right now is affecting them in terms of increasing their anxiety. Students reported discrimination toward Mm -hmm. them based on their race, specifically related to the pandemic. And many, many more reported witnessing this online or in person. And so we're returning to campus in just a really unique climate that I think, I mean, when we look at the causes of depression and anxiety, these types of events are things that drive drive our symptoms up specifically Mm -hmm. and activate new episodes. Yeah, so so much change and so much loss and then also sort of the collective trauma and individual trauma of either loss of family and friends or racism, grief, mm-hmm. all sorts of things that are activating our nervous system. It's helpful to hear you name some of those and list them off because there are certainly things that many of us might not have thought of initially depending on what space and worldview we see things from. And another one of those things is just there's a lot of shame in illness Mm. and the colleges are going to be really attentive to symptoms. I mean, most of them are having students record their symptoms daily. And so just that kind of anxiety surrounding health might be increased in a way that it never has been before. Yeah, that makes sense. So students might feel afraid about having a cold Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas before they wouldn't, yeah, there would be a a shame attached to it that Mm -hmm. previously no one would have in the same way that I've been in the grocery store and sneezed and felt, felt you know, everyone turns and looks at you like, God forbid that you should sneeze (laughs) in the grocery store in public. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That's a good, a good point. So it's helpful to hear those. So thank you so much. So then what are some thoughts that you might offer to faculty regarding how they could be aware of or assist students with mental health concerns in this unique time? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the most important thing for them to do is specifically just pay attention. Like I talked about before, as humans, we need a place to be seen and to be heard and to be known. And so to be really attentive to their students as much as possible. I think the class sizes will be a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. It's my understanding that that's happening. And so for them to be able to pay attention when their student is missing and perhaps reach out and check in with them, to make eye contact as much as possible if they're in person or on Zoom, to be able to be curious toward just things that students are saying or they're not saying, and also for them to be curious toward themselves and making sure that they're taking care of themselves so that they have the capacity to be able to offer what is needed for students during this time. I also had a professor reach out specifically, and I think many are doing this at this time, to have the counseling staff come in and do trainings on how stress, uh, just how the stress response cycle works in the body and how to respond to that some ways to take care of yourself in a meaningful way. And also many are putting resources for the counseling center right in their syllabus. And I think that's a wonderful idea just to assist students in easy access to resources. Yeah, that's really wise. I realize though too, the counseling staff at most colleges and universities will be pretty maxed out probably right out of the gates. So if there are faculty that are hoping to connect with someone from the counseling center at your college or university, 
do so pretty quickly before everyone returns. Mm-hmm. And I love that idea of putting resources in the syllabus or having them easily accessible, probably on Canvas or however yes. students are meeting virtually. Mm -hmm. or in person. And I love the idea too of just paying attention, noticing what's going on for students in your classes. I'm wondering though, even for faculty coming in, there's so much that they're carrying personally as well as professionally, learning how to teach in a new way. So it feels like there's a lot on the plate already. Mm -hmm. How might you suggest that faculty could care for themselves and their own personal mental health as they return to campus as well? Yeah, I think that that's a great question. And it makes me think about a podcast that I heard early on in the pandemic. Kate Bowler, who is a professor at Duke University, talked about this idea of precarity, which is just being in the middle of something that hasn't ended yet. So, Mm. and that's really what we're in right now in the middle of this pandemic. We can't really see the end. We're in a space that doesn't have horizons. And so she suggested making your own horizons. And one way she suggested doing that was this idea. And I I think I'm quoting her pretty clearly, but she said, manage the day you have, not Mm -hmm. the one you wish for or the one you fear. And this is not a new idea. This is mindfulness. (laughs) It really is returning to the moment that you're in right now. And there has been some other work that I've read recently that's been really helpful for me. It's by Jim Wilder and this idea of we are kind of consistently in a cycle of rest and joy. Mm -hmm. And when we haven't rested, we kind of just become like burnt out. And so just attending to your body, like making sure that you're eating well and resting and moving and when you are faced with something that feels extremely difficult that you have to kind of encounter and and you feel your fight flight freeze being activated, just that you kind of return just for a minute to your breath and to a memory that brings you joy. And within kind of a minute or two, your nervous system resets. And I I think that that has been a really helpful practice for me. And in the moment, you don't necessarily feel like doing it. But even if you can just take kind of a minute vacation to take a deep breath and imagine that that moment of joy, it can kind of return you to a place of being able to approach what's in front of you. So I think it begins with your body, taking care of your body, making sure you're resting, making sure you're connecting in relationships that are life-giving for you, and then returning to those moments of safety and security and comfort for yourself. Those are great suggestions, especially as you mentioned, finding people in your life that are life-giving to you, because mm-hmm. it seems like there will be so much pouring out of yourself and giving yourself away in these coming days. And then being able to have those people in your life that are able to pour back into you mm-hmm. are crucial. And I love that you brought up the building joy or remembering joy exercise or grounding technique. Mm-hmm. I use that as well with a lot of my clients. And it's remarkable because at first you might think, oh gosh, that's so silly. <laughs> that's not going to work, right? And it's remarkable. Our brains are so great at remembering sensory moments. Uh, yeah. And being able to call those to mind actually mm-hmm. allows our body to feel it throughout 
about our body and mind are so connected and able to kind of enter back in, even in the same way I do this with my children. And when they need to calm down, (laughs) we try to remember moments of joy when they're feeling really overwhelmed about other things. And it's in the same way that we compare it to, if you're thinking about eating Sour Patch Kids, you can feel it in your Mm -hmm. face. Yes. Our minds are so remarkable in being able to remember moments and Mm -hmm. have our bodies actually experience it. So that suggestion you gave of remembering a moment of joy can really, in the moment, bring Mm -hmm. us to a space of peace and calm and reset, as you said, our nervous systems. Mm -hmm. So we're not in that state of activation. Yes. Yeah. So then also, as we noted before, there's so many things that we are juggling these days. And particularly as women, if we have kids at home or we're trying to which, you know, the kids aren't going back to school, or maybe they are depending on where you are geographically. Do you have any particular thoughts for women, whether it's med students or grad students, faculty or professional women, and all these things we might be juggling? How can we stay connected to one another and to Jesus in the midst of all these things that we're carrying? Yes, this is particularly present for me because my children were supposed to go back to school yesterday. And then with the new recommendations by the Pennsylvania Department of Education, things shifted again. Mm -hmm. And so, and it it does seem as if things shift every day. Yes. (laughs) So, you know, when you hear news like that, even though it's becoming more ordinary, you immediately think, oh no, I can't do this. My house is too small, or I can't provide the structure that my children need. And I can't be a teacher and work full time. And how are we going to do all of these things? And so they're kind of all flying around. And you, I, I think about one of those little containers that they used to have in the nineties where you would jump in and there's money flying around and oh, yeah. <laughs> collect like a billion dollars, but really you just are grasping. And so it is kind of that activation mode and you just have to settle and recognize that it is just all about what is the next right thing that I can do in the next 10 minutes. And so really just making things very, very small and recognizing that this is something that you can do. And I think beginning with creating rhythms in your life of things that you know kind of what to expect. So my my morning routine is the same every day and that doesn't work for everyone, but that brings me comfort because it's something that I know what to do mm-hmm. with. During the pandemic, I signed up for a spiritual direction group, which is something that I hadn't done before with Summer Joy Gross. And she taught me a spiritual practice called Emmanuel Journaling. And I think that this is a a really helpful practice that can help women and men. But it is just this idea of spending some time attuning to God. And it's in a book called The Joyful Journey by Sung Shim Lop now and and her husband, John. And I think that they co-wrote it with Jim Wilder as well. But it is writing, it begins with gratitude. So you start with what you have. So you begin with the present. Okay, this is what what brings me joy right now, or this is Mm -hmm. what I'm grateful that I have. So you, you begin with what you have, and then you ask God, so what would you say to me about these things? And then it's a conversation that you have with God. And it is like he says to you, I, I see you sitting at your desk right now. And I see the tension. You, you do a body scan. 
So along with God, it's just kind of this recognition that God is with us. And so you go through about six questions and and we can link to something online with that as well. But when I began the practice, I just kind of thought about what God would say to me based on what I know about God. But as I've been practicing it now for three months, and I do it about once a week, some people do it every day, but I, I now hear the Holy Spirit even more clearly, just almost immediately what God would say to me. And my favorite part of it is the very last part is what are the resources that you have available to me right now? And I mean, even from the very beginning, it would be, you know what, Aubrey, take a walk or Mm -hmm. call your friend, or I would think about a book and I would be able to go to that book and read part of it. And that sounds really mystical, but it is very true. And it's increased my ability to recognize that God is always with us. He's gone before Mm -hmm. us, he's beside us, and he will continue to walk with us as we walk with him through this life, as we decide what is the next right thing for us to do. So the intentionality of taking space to ask yourself those questions Mm -hmm. and be in communication with God has helped you hear his voice clearly and recognize his presence. Mm -hmm. I just think that it has been attunement Like I've been attuning Mm -hmm. to God through that practice. And then it has assisted me in attuning to myself and also to the people in my life. Hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So then a lot of that was about kind of experiencing joy. The other word that I've heard people share about a lot lately is hope, that we need hope. If you turn on the news for just a few minutes, you can be filled with a lack of hope. Mm -hmm. So where are you personally finding hope and experiencing hope these days? I have begun riding my bike again. I started in July. Someone shared the Strava app with me. And that has been um, really helpful to me because like in this space that feels stuck, it has allowed me to feel like I can move. And so I think attuning to God through a manual journaling and attuning to my body through riding my bike has been really hopeful to me. So I live a block away from the Heritage Pennsylvania Rail Trail in York, Pennsylvania, which is just so beautiful. It goes 20 miles by the creek. And I check on all of my bird families. So (laughs) through the whole pandemic, I got to see, I mean, probably hundreds of geese families and duck families and egrets and herons and just all of these nests of different birds. And so I'll go check on them and just seeing that in nature, things are still progressing the way that they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. The sun is still riding. I mean, rising. <laughs> I'm riding at sunrise every <laughs> morning and it's still rising and it's still setting. I've been thinking about fall and how excited I am to have a change that I know is going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. I know that in late September, the leaves are going to start to change and it's going to get cooler outside. And um, that's a horizon that that I know of. So I think that there's also hope and we have a fresh farm foods. I think it's called York Fresh Farm Foods. And they have two trucks and they are in different areas of our city every single day offering fresh fruits and vegetables that they get from farms all throughout the city. And just being in that moment, eating seasonal food, seeing people that are doing really good work that they're passionate about has been really hopeful for me. Just being more engaged in my community, the opportunity 
to ride the streets of York and Mm -hmm. to march with my brothers and sisters against racism, to have the opportunity to be with my neighbors more because we're at home more. It just has been such a gift. And I think that those relationships have brought me a great deal of hope in this space that people aren't stuck. They're moving and Mm -hmm. we get to move along with them. And I think just being able to be more attentive because we've been more present with my family and my neighbors and in my city. Yeah. And as you noted, there's so much change that kind of catches us off guard, even as you noted about your school, your kids were supposed to go back and then suddenly they're not anymore. Mm -hmm. But then even finding hope in this expected change Mm -hmm. of the seasons or the expected sunrise and sunset that is not mm-hmm. changing i think of, it makes me think of that scripture and i think it's in hebrews jesus is the same yesterday yes. today and tomorrow right and that yes. the sun still rises the sun still sets mm-hmm. flowers still bloom baby birds are still coming to life in nests mm-hmm. and then having that additional extra connection time with your neighbors and family mm-hmm. and being able to even come alongside one another in march against injustice mm-hmm. is a space of finding hope. Yeah. Thank you for sharing about all those different ways. I'm imagining you riding your bike, <laughs> and stop, <laughs> stopping along the way to check on those birds. Uh-huh. <laughs> Likewise, my husband and I have been taking walks every night as the weather has permitted. And it's usually about the time of sunset. And we don't know all of the people that we pass on our walks, but we're all out at about the same time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we wave from across the way in the sidewalk and smile at each other like we know these people and we don't. But it's been fun even to have that expected connection with people that, you know, we would have never connected with before. So, yeah, there's hope in all sorts of spaces. We just have to pay attention, right? And look yes. for it. That's mm. right. That's right. So, finally, then we like to conclude the podcast with the same question to all of our guests, has there been a particular quote or scripture or song or other set of words that has been meaningful to you lately? And can you share about why it resonates with you at this time? The one that comes to my mind right away and the one that I've been returning to throughout this whole space and time is just love suffers long and is kind. Hmm. And I think that it, it resonates because in I think in my work, that's a practice that that we get to be part of with our clients. In our family life, we've been together 24-7 in spaces that, in a very small space, and we've mm-hmm. never really been together for this often, for this long. And just that that idea of love suffers long and is kind. I mean, we're walking through the process of reconciliation and restoration in spaces in our neighborhood and in our church. And it is not quick and it's not easy. And currently in our culture, people haven't been kind. And I think about kindness as a fruit of the spirit, but the kin word in it means that we treat one another like family Mm -hmm. and that's everyone. And so I think that in my neighborhood specifically, I've also recognized like that's our call to care for people as if they're our family. And so, and when I get discouraged, I go back to that space, like love suffers long and is kind. And we can practice those things. We can practice love and we can practice kindness. 
And so I think that that's what phrase kind of resonates with me the, the most right now. And of course, that's from 1 Corinthians 13. Wonderful. Yeah, it's a good reminder of who God is, but also who we can be, as you said, with the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit working through us. Well, thank you so much, Aubrey. I don't know if you have any other final thoughts for any of our listeners as we finish up. The only thing I can think of that I didn't really talk about before, there's been a lot of talk about what you could create out of this time. Mm -hmm. And for some, this has been a time of more work than ever before in their life. And for some people, this has been a time of rest. And for some, this has been a time of cleaning out. And I think that just recently, I have been able to kind of move into a rhythm of creating again. And perhaps it it was a fallow season a little bit for me just because I wasn't working and I had to come to terms with that. And maybe because it's a new season and work is being more activated, I'm beginning to be able to create again. And I think that that is something that is really helpful. And so, I mean, to your listeners, just even imagining what they're creating right now or what they have created in this space or what has been created in them that they can now create out of might be helpful to sort of reflect on and think about because that's that's just something that I've been thinking about lately. Yeah, I like that. That's helpful to think through. And even as you noted, there was a space where you weren't working And that might have been true for a lot of our listeners as well. I know for me, in the end of my internship in grad school, it was all of a sudden kind of ripped out from under me. And it felt like I lost a little bit of who I was Mm -hmm. um, without a chance to grieve it. And so being able to kind of move back into a space of creating something new, even if it's something that wasn't expected, Mm -hmm. can be beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Aubrey, for taking the time to offer your thoughts and for your wisdom and your knowledge. And the thing that sticks with me is the idea of paying attention, Mm -hmm. noticing what's going on around me and looking for joy, Mm -hmm. looking for those horizons. Mm -hmm. So thanks so much for being part of the podcast today. Oh, what an honor, Caroline. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of All Shall Be Well, Conversations with Women in the Academy and Beyond. This is Caroline Trissick, and information about our guests can be found on our podcast page at thewell.intervarsity.org slash podcasts. This has been a production of Women in the Academy and Professions, a focused ministry initiative of InterVarsity Christian Fellowship USA. We value the contribution of podcast guests who are not employed by InterVarsity, and we acknowledge that the opinions of our guests may or may not represent the ministry, doctrine, or policies of InterVarsity. Thank you for joining our conversation as we engage in faith and life together. We'd love to hear your feedback. To share your thoughts or to learn more about who we are or the resources and connections we provide, we invite you to visit us at our online gathering place, The Well. You can find us at thewell.intervarsity.org.